As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your Sunday morning. On the right, as always, John Hancock. Morning, everyone. Good to see you. On the left, you know him, you love him, you want more of him. So he's back, Antonio French. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Welcome aboard. Apparently, uh, apparently Kelly is out of town, Brown. Apparently. <clears throat> Doesn't happen know, very mean, often. We don't even I'm know where he's comfortable in this anymore. seat, so. Yeah, <laughs> stay there. And I'm John Brown, right in the middle. Big story this week, President Trump kicks off his 2020 campaign with a big event in Orlando. Yeah, the president kicked off the re-election in the primary city in the main state that he needs to win and keep the White House. The Amway Center was packed. A couple thousand people more outside, about 19,000 inside. Still not anywhere near the 100,000 the White House said had requested tickets. And during this announcement, the president went back to some old familiar themes. We went through the greatest witch hunt in political history. The only collusion was committed by the Democrats, the fake news media, and their operatives, and the people who funded the phony dossier, crooked Hillary Clinton, and the DNC. It was all an illegal attempt to overturn the results of the election, spy on our campaign, which is what they did, and subvert our democracy. Remember the insurance policy just in case Hillary Clinton lost. Remember the insurance policy. All right, so the question we'll start off with today, and Antonio, you get to go first on this one, is the previous way of campaigning, I mean, that, was, that could have been a campaign rally from three and a half, four years ago, talking witch hunts, Clinton, which I found interesting, an effective way to win next time around. Yeah, well, we'll see, but, uh, you know, this president has never stopped campaigning. He's always been uh, working to mobilize and appeal to his base. Uh, he thinks that that base is what's going to save him both in, uh, in his presidency, his administration, his legacy, and in the next campaign. Uh, the, the sad part, though, is that as president, you have to expand to actually serve everyone and start building a broader coalition, which he hasn't done. He's never made that pivot. So I expect to hear more of the same, um, talking about the sins of a Hillary Clinton who's no longer running, uh, Barack Obama, whose names he keeps mentioning, uh, and his latest target is uh, Joe Biden, who he thinks is the front runner and probably uh, he's most fearful of. Um, but yeah, we're still waiting for that pivot of the president appealing to the broad masses and being a president for everyone. That hasn't happened. John Heaven said, I don't care about the moderates now. I got to rally the base here, which is what he did. Well, a, a couple of couple of things. You know, when, when Trump started having these rallies in the 2016 cycle and thousands of people were showing up, a lot of the pundits, maybe even myself included, said that's not a good barometer of the polls or what's going to happen on Election Day. But I got to tell you, he does it again and again. And again, wherever he goes, he fills out a house. And Biden can't draw 200 people right now. I mean, you, you look at any of these Democrats running around Iowa. They, I mean, they, 
they can't they can't produce the kind of uh, enthusiasm and passion that Donald Trump is producing, and I think that bodes well for the election as it relates to expanding the base. I think Antonio makes a good point. Uh, this is a president that has focused on his base. I think the most interesting voter in this election is going to be the Trump unfavorable voter. Mm. So if you look at the polls right now, 53% of the population have an unfavorable opinion of Donald Trump. I got to tell you, I think thousands of those people are going to end up voting for Donald Trump. They did in, in 2016. And that's going to be what tells the tale of this election, the Trump unfavorable voters. He's going to get his fair share of those. Antonio, you said something here, and I actually took this note before the show today. I think the president likes the process of campaigning mm. maybe more than the process of governing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about his ego. We all know he has the big ego. Some people hate the grind of the campaign, but I think he feeds off of this, this energy that comes with this more than the job itself. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, getting stuff done is much more difficult than blaming other folks. Uh, and so in his campaign speech, as you just saw, you know, he's still blaming Hillary Clinton. He's still blaming Barack Obama. Uh, but he's the president. He is now the person in charge, and he has to set responsibility for where we are as a country and where we're going. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of that. Uh, we're seeing campaign mode constantly, constantly. Um, but, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the Democrats will put up a candidate uh, that will have broad appeal and people will see that there is a better way uh, in a return to normalcy where we can actually have a president, you know, who speaks like normal presidents, who talks like normal presidents, and who makes an effort to appeal to all Americans. You know, John, very quickly, when I heard that he was going to kick off his 2020 campaign, I had to think, well, I thought he already did that. <laughs> so, so many of his rallies, rallies seem like yeah. campaign appearances. I. It kind of took me by surprise because I thought he was already kind of doing this. Well, he's made it official now. And the campaign is, this is going to be a better run campaign than the 2016, which was really just kind of chaos. Uh, but they've raised a lot more money. They've got a, a better structure, a real structure in place to run a campaign. Well, half the old people and, are in jail. Uh, well, <laughs> so you say. Uh, but, but, but they, you know, it's going to be a better run campaign. And he's going to need that. And, you know, it's going to be a re-election campaigns are tough. But uh, I think, you know, if I had to bet today, Brown, I think Trump's going to pull this thing out. All right. Also this week, big discussion on Capitol Hill about reparations for slavery. Ellison Barber has that story. Then we'll discuss. We're here to acknowledge the terrible wrong in history. For the first time in more than a decade, lawmakers on Capitol Hill held a hearing to discuss reparations. Actor Danny Glover, New Jersey Senator and 2020 hopeful Cory Booker are just some of the many witnesses who testified. We as a nation have not yet truly acknowledged and grappled with racism and white supremacy that has tainted this country's founding and continues to persist in those deep racial disparities and inequalities today. This bill, as one Democratic lawmaker explained, calls for the establishment of a commission, not checks. Reparations have become a 2020 issue. A number of presidential hopefuls on the left have said they support some form of it. Republicans, by and large, do not. Mitch McConnell may be right that no one alive is responsible for what happened then, but everyone alive is responsible to do something now. Wednesday's hearing coincided with Juneteenth, a holiday that commemorates the end of slavery. It's the date Union soldiers arrived in Texas and told them slavery was over two years after Lincoln actually signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Let this day, June 19th, 2019, be the marker for the commitment for each and every one of you who have come to support to say on my watch, we will watch this bill pass and be signed by the President of the United States of America. Congress will continue debating this bill known as H.R. 40. 
Reporting in Washington, D.C., I'm Ellison Barber, Fox News. I'm glad Antonio is here today to talk about this. Where, where do we go with this discussion? Yeah, the, the conversation about reparations is an important one. Um, you know, the original sin of this country, slavery, is something that we uh, still feel an effect from every day. Uh, the conversation about reparations specifically, though, is about the economic impact of slavery. Um, and I don't think that right now we are going to see much movement on it, especially with the political makeup of Washington, D.C., but that the conversation is being had is a good thing, that people are being educated about the history of it is a good thing. Um, but eventually, I think we do need to get to the points where we seriously discuss the economic effects of uh, slavery uh, and Jim Crow following that and how America can make right uh, with that. Because you're talking about generations of generations of people whose wealth was taken, who were not allowed to own. Uh, and so that doesn't just go away. And we've seen reparations in many other areas, uh, other sins the country has done. Even, when, uh, even on the small scale, when someone is sent to jail and a bit of their freedom is taken away for a small period of time, there's usually some, uh, some form of reparations after that. So it's a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, I hope it eventually leads somewhere productive. Uh, but it's, it's a very complicated issue. Let's talk to politics of this very quickly. Joe Biden's still the front runner for Democrats, like you said, but he has a checkered history on this topic. During the discussion about reparations, Biden mentioned that he wished Congress worked like they used to, where you could disagree with someone but still work with them. He says that he could work with the segregationist lawmakers of the past and still get things done. But, okay, everybody wants to jump on Mitch McConnell. Let's go back to 1975. Here's what Joe Biden said. I don't feel responsible for the sins of my father and grandfather. I feel responsible for what the situation is today, for the sins of my own generation, and I'll be damned if I feel responsible to pay for what happened 300 years ago. John, you've mentioned this before. Biden hasn't had great presidential campaigns because his words of the past come back to haunt him. This may be a case here. Well, he's, he's been on every side of every issue every year for the last 40 years. So uh, this is just another example of that as it relates to Biden. Slavery is the great sin of America. It is, a, Abraham Lincoln called it that. The price that was paid, the, the millions of lives, the bloodiest war on our soil, uh, the, the fighting, the segregation in the South, get, eradicating Jim Crow laws, passing the Civil Rights Act, passing the Voting Rights Act, all of those things have happened because of the great sin of slavery. Now, as it relates to economic impacts, I don't know about you, but I think most of us are not very many generations removed from abject poverty. Mm -hmm. I think of my own family, my great-grandfather, they, they found the rockiest land they could find in the middle of Missouri and decided to become farmers. I mean, you know, they had nothing. And the, the great thing about this country is that you can be born with nothing and be raised with nothing. And you can make something incredible out of the opportunity that this country exists. And that exists for every American, whether they're African-American or any, anything else. Uh, and I think we ought to focus on that, the greatness of America and the opportunity that it provides to everybody. All right, still to come here on Hancock and Kelly, what's going on in the circuit attorney's office? Typically, cities don't want their prosecutor's office in the news. But this week, two big stories in the news surrounding Kim Gardner. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. Well, the former private investigator for St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner was indicted this past week. William Tisby was charged with six counts of perjury and one count of tampering with physical evidence. The grand jury says that Tisby assisted Gardner with the investigation into former Missouri Governor Eric Groton's wrongdoing. Tisby's attorney says that he's done nothing wrong, calling the indictment a political hit job and that the real target was probably Kim Gardner. 
again, his attorney says nothing to see here. Now, to be honest, John Hancock, I don't know what's going on here. I have a feeling there's something bigger taking place behind the scenes. What do you think? Well, he lied. Uh, Tisby lied, and he lied about what they had in the, in the evidence. He lied to Greitens' lawyers. Uh, the Greitens lawyers knew it immediately. They, they raised the, the issue immediately in real time as it was happening. And now you've got the investigation. They've confirmed that uh, there's enough evidence to, to indict him for perjury, uh, multiple counts of perjury. And I think ultimately they are, I, I think <laughs> Tisby's lawyer might be right. It, Gardner may be the ultimate target here. She may be very complicit in all this. The investigation's going to find out. Remember the fight about over her emails and her mm -hmm. server and whether she was going to turn that over? Uh, there's something going on here. I think all roads lead to Kim Gardner, but we'll, we'll see. All right. Antonio, the NAACP says they believe it's racially motivated. But for a lot of people, the only real question here is, did he lie to the grand jury? Because that is against the law, race or no race. What do you think here? Yeah, I don't know. We know enough about the case to say it was in any way racially motivated uh, if, uh, if some... Uh, misinformation was given out, then there are consequences. The old, the old phrase is, uh, if you take a shot at the king, you better not miss. You know, this was a very high-profile case, and, um, and I don't know if the uh, Gardner's office, especially at that point, just getting in office, was equipped to be able to handle such a big case, and perhaps some mistakes were made, but we'll see. We'll see how this whole thing turns out. But I do agree that ultimately the target is Kim Gardner in her office. Yeah, when you're going after a big fish like this and you're new in office, you were still new at that point, yeah. that's a tough one. Does this in any way vindicate uh, Eric Greitens and for what happened? Well, I think the prosecution of Eric Greitens was misguided from day one, but, you know, I'm no, I'm no fan of Kim Gardner's Brown, but I don't think Kim Gardner was hanging out there at the exercise equipment down in the basement. I mean, that's on Eric Greitens, uh, and, and he, you know, eventually resigned from office, and I think he did the right thing by resigning from office. So uh, while uh, it doesn't vindicate Eric Greitens, I do think it shines a light that this prosecution of Eric Greitens was mishandled. Badly. What about you? The, the stain on the prosecutor's office in this case somehow made Greitens look better. Oh, in not, the long run. no, in, in no way. I mean, Greitens uh, made a lot of mistakes uh, and barely made it out without, uh, you know, going to jail himself. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it, this is still remaining as an issue for Kim Gardner, and Greitens has been allowed to move on. All right, while we are discussing Kim Gardner this week, she placed 22 more St. Louis police officers on that exclusion list. All right, so that basically means these officers can no longer come to her office and try and seek charges against suspected criminals. If they do, charges will be refused. The move comes after the national study called the Plainview Project revealed that a lot of officers nationwide shared violent, racist, or anti-Muslim Facebook posts between 2013 and 2017. So now that exclusion list is about 60 officers out of the 1,100 member police force. Now, Antonio, this was interesting. Judge Jimmy Edwards has been really outspoken about this. Sounds like he's having some issues dealing with Kim Gardner. One female officer was put on the exclusion list, according to the judge, because that officer yelled at staff members saying, I can't believe you're not going to issue charges in this case. Mm. He says, that's no reason to put somebody on an exclusion list. People get passionate. You're investigating a case. You have a conflict. You can't just say, well, we're not going to listen to anything you say here. Well, listen, a lot of the folks that have been put on this list have been put on for very good reasons. And what the, the list is designed to do is to put pressure on the police department to clean their house. Uh, and what Judge Edwards and the police chief and ultimately the mayor need to do is make every effort to clean their house uh, of violent, uh, racist, uh, white nationalists, homophobic, xenophobic officers, uh, which many of these Facebook posts 
uh, represent mm -hmm. those kind of views. And those officers have no place on the streets of St. Louis representing the city. And so Gardner has done what she can do, which is try to push the police department. But ultimately, they're going to have to close the deal and get these guys out of those offices. John, very quickly. Well, look, fire the cops. If you want to you know, fire the cops, here's what you don't do. You don't penalize victims of crime, and that's what this does. It, if you're a victim of crime and you happen to be unlucky enough to have one of Kim Gardner's 60 cops investigate, guess what? No justice for you. It's wrong what she's doing here. If you don't like the cops, get rid of the cops, but take the evidence and prosecute criminals. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, a college professor under fire for being too insensitive. All right, this investigation for what he asked the students to do in class, but wait until you hear the outrageous thing he wanted them to do. It's time for a little news potpourri. This ought to be fun. Antonio, this is just a combination of stories that don't fit. <laughs> right. right? They're all thrown into one big hopper here. Some stink, some are good. All right. A professor at the University of Utah now under investigation for creating a hostile learning environment. The problem was reported by a 22-year-old female student. That student says the professor's actions were derogatory, degrading, and intimidating, therefore creating that hostile learning environment. Now, think about it. This guy's a business professor, so you would think that, what, be sensitive to this issue, right? Okay, the website called The College Fix is the one who did the public records request, and here's what they found. Here's what the professor did. He assigned the students too many historical books written by influential male economists. Too many men on the books, on the list of books that you're supposed to read. John Hancock, you're up first on this one. Sounds like we might be getting a little too sensitive. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, my professors were j jumping for joy if I actually read the book. You know, <laughs> it didn't matter who wrote the book. They said, are you reading the book? You know, that's, that's where we need to be focused in this country. Antonio, read the books. The professor made the point. These are historical business texts. There weren't a whole lot of female authors even... 20, 30 years ago on yeah. this. This is what you got to do. I mean, we are striving for more diversity of, of thought and, and views, so that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, when you start talking about historical documents, that it unfortunately is going to be a predominantly white male. Uh, and as we can add more in the mix, great. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that business uh, professor is alone in, in his uh, signing of these texts. She might have trouble in the workplace down the road, just saying. All right, here's something I found interesting over the past couple of weeks with all the blues celebrations. As I'm sure you've heard by now, very few incidents during those big parties in downtown St. Louis. Sure, police could have written tickets for underage drinking, but their job was to make sure everyone was safe and in control. So in the most dangerous city in the country, we put on an incredible face. Now, Antonio, we'll talk to you on first on this one. This was amazing, the scene St. Louis put on here. Over the yeah, it was, it was a great look for the city, you know, and a, a lot of civic pride. Uh, seeing a lot of people downtown and uh, feeling great about the Blues accomplishment. Uh, I think the police also were uh, very lenient. Um, you know, there could have been some arrests for public intoxication. I think a certain Brett Hull was probably uh, lucky that they, that wasn't being enforced that day. But, yeah, it was a good look for the city. Well, there was one particular player who's underage and was drinking walking down the parade. I'm we like, didn't see anything. You probably don't. You, you let it go. <laughs> Compare that to Toronto, the safest city in North America. You had gunfire, several arrests. St. Louis looking good right now. St. Louis looked really good. And we learned, Brown, that uh, Brett Hull will not be the replacement for Charles Glenn singing no. the anthems next year for the no. Blues. And, and you know who reported on this parade? Who did? The South Sider. And the North Sider. 
All right, let's talk about this very quickly. Antonio French, since you're here today, got a couple of new papers out. So how'd you get into, why did you get into this business? You've run for mayor, you've done so much else. Yeah. Why this? Well, the Northside has started off uh, 10 years ago as really just kind of a, uh, a project to have some positive news about North St. Louis because there's so much negative and that we know there are a lot of people and organizations doing great things and just people you know living in a city and making it great and so that's what the Northsider started as. It came first as a quarterly publication uh, and then we started going monthly and so that's been going for about 10 years. Uh, late last year we decided to go weekly and that's been going strong and so come January we launched the Southsider as a weekly. Now on Tuesdays every week the Southsider is published 25,000 copies, 300 locations, and the north side are another 300 locations, 25,000 copies on every Thursday. How cool is this, Good John? stuff. Yeah, in Good the day stuff. and age where we say, oh, media is going away, he jumps out on a limb and does something like this. Local reporting, there's opinion in here, some of which I agree with, most of which I don't, but it's good journalism. I appreciate it. All right, Antonio. Well, still to come here on Hancock & Kelly, it's time for Final Thoughts. We'll yeah. be right back. Time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly. You are up first, John Hancock. Well, you know, Brown, it's, it's never too early to think about that perfect Halloween costume. Oh, boy. I was thinking about our good friend Jamie Travers. And the weather well, she is. And I think Jamie Travers this Halloween needs to be, yes? Laura, Laura Branigan. Wow. Gloria. Can you see it, Brown? Yeah. Perfect. She needs to floof up the hair well, a little, little bit floof, more. A little floof. A little 80s floof goes a long way. Jamie's still over there. Can you do it, Jamie? Can you pull it off? She can pull it off. So there you go. Well, now you're done. John Hancock helped you out there. So, all right, Antonio, great to see your website one more time in case people want to check out your publication. MetroSTL.com. Good to have you here, man. Thanks. Nice work being Thanks. here. Good to hey, thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly on this Sunday morning. If you missed any part of the show, download it there on your smartphone. Search for Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you next week.